and it is a real privilege to be able to share with you today. And this week, we'll be exploring together what the Word says about one of the fruits of the Spirit. And it's one that most people want, one that most people strive for and dearly hope that they have, but not everybody has it. And I think it's fair to say that nobody actually likes to be miserable. Sure, there are some people that never want to miss the chance for a good grumble or a rant. Like my lovely stepdad, who's actually got a bit of a reputation in our family for his first-class complaint emails. And I'm sure there's a bit of him that actually enjoys it when something goes wrong, so he can get in front of the computer and write one of these emails. And sadly, there are other people that sometimes perhaps feel that being unhappy is a good way to get noticed or to engage with people because maybe in the past, that's been the only way for them to be seen. It's been the only way that they've been able to be heard, to get people to feel sorry for them or to get that attention. But however it may seem, or however may people might come across, I think we can all agree, can't we, that deep down, we don't want or choose to be miserable, to be down or sad. Deep down, the vast majority of people desire joy. They desire to know joy. But what really is joy? What, what is it? And where does it come from? So joy is one of those things, there, there are many things, aren't there, that we, we're familiar with it, we, we understand it, but actually it can be really hard to find. And not just finding it, it's not just hard to find joy sometimes, is it? Sometimes it's hard to hold on to it. Sometimes we might know joy, but sometimes it's hard to hold on to it. So this morning, let's spend some time unpacking together what joy really is. Let's see what God's word says about joy, about how to find it. And let's ask ourselves how we personally and together, how we can hold on to it. So firstly, what is joy? Well, when I was pondering this and Firstly, when I was thinking in fresh ways to get to grips with what joy actually is, I found myself thinking and, and wondering, well, maybe we need to look at what it's not. Joy isn't pleasure. And joy isn't happiness. And personally, I believe one helpful way of looking at it is, is like this. Pleasure satisfies our bodies, and it's like guzzling down that ice-cold drink on a boiling hot day or jumping into the pool when you're just so hot. That is a pleasure that satisfies our bodies. And happiness, what about happiness? Well, happiness 
satisfies our heart. Happiness satisfies our emotions. Maybe like getting that promotion at work that you've been working so very hard for, for such a long time. Or your team winning their match. That can bring you happiness. But what about joy? Joy satisfies us right to our core, to our inner being, in our spirit. And both pleasure and happiness, like in these examples we just looked at, they depend on things that can change. The team won't always win, and there won't be always the, the cold drink or the, the pool to jump into. Those things can change upon circumstances or the situations around us that are apt, ultimately, they're, they're outside of our control, aren't they? But what about joy? Joy is different. So if we look at Galatians, Galatians 5, 22 to 26, tells us that joy is a fruit of the Spirit. And Galatians says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So we know that fruit, it comes from something, doesn't it? Fruit is the result of something. So like in gardening and in terms of, of nature, fruit comes from a tree or a plant that's been nourished and nurtured, and it's received all the elements that it needs to grow strong and produce that fruit. And if we're thinking about maybe business terms, you, we talk about maybe the fruit of an investment, don't we? Or the decision that's had time and energy put into it. And that might be, the fruit might be financial return. But how does that compare to spiritual fruit? So in the same way that the fruit in those examples comes from something else, where does the fruit of the Spirit come from? comes from God himself through the Holy Spirit. And again, like in those examples, fruit takes time to grow, doesn't it? It needs to be cultivated, needs to be cared for, and it needs to be tended to. But mostly, though, for the fruit to be good, the root needs to be right and good as well. And the fruits of the Spirit are exactly like that. It's the same. And we can know pleasure, and we can know happiness, and those things are precious gifts for us to enjoy from our God. And he wants us to know life and life in abundance, doesn't he? But to know the fruit of true, unchanging joy, we need to be connected to the root, to the source. So having looked a little at what joy is and what it's not, what does God's word say about how we find joy? <clears throat> Isn't it so amazing that we have that Holy Spirit living in us? 
the spirit of the living God, he's alive. And he's dwelling in each one of us. What a gift from God. So if joy is a fruit of the spirit, and we have the spirit of God living in us, we need never be without joy. And this was a new thought to me, and one that's really blessed me, because no one can ever, ever take God from you. And so, if no one can take God from you, because Jesus makes us right before him, no one can take our joy from us. We might allow things to come between us and God, and we can try and find our joy in things that ultimately they won't fulfill us for long, but he will always be waiting to welcome us back. Unlike happiness or worldly pleasures, joy depends on the Holy Spirit and upon God. God never changes, and so joy need never change. A really excellent Bible preacher, uh, teacher named Derek Prince, he said this, as long as you can be filled with the Holy Spirit, you can be filled with joy. Joy comes from God. And so if we look to anything other than God to bring us joy, like finances, relationships, jobs, status, we will be disappointed. Because these things, invariably, they change, don't they? And we can lose or gain them like that overnight. Sometimes even when we place too much emphasis on them and try and get our joy from them, from something other than the Lord, he may even, out of love and his kindness and goodness, he might even take it away from us. Why? Well, to lovingly draw us back to himself, to the true and constant and safe source of joy. And we can look at Job as an example of this, can't we? Job was someone who proved his love for God and that joy was found in him alone and not in the things of the world. Now, all right, okay, Job may have complained a lot. And I'm sure that we agree this isn't really surprising and it's totally understandable. He had lost his children, his livelihood, his health, and his friends and his wife were about as helpful as a woodpecker on Noah's Ark. Job never once blamed God because he knew who God was. And he knew he was the source of everything that Job needed. He accepted whatever came his way, the good and the bad. Because of his deeply rooted connection to the Lord. And in Job 2.10, he says, Shall we accept good from God? And not trouble. So relationships, they're not always easy, are they? And they can be hard. People, we let each other down, don't we? And we hurt each other. What about our financial situations? Well, they can change in an instant. A job, it can suddenly come to an end, can't it? Because all these things, ultimately, they're outside of our control. No matter how hard we try to hold on to them or to control them ourselves, 
But again, all these things, they are good. And they're things for us to enjoy. We know God delights to give good, good gifts. But God wants us to get the joy from the gift giver and not from the gift itself. So finding joy means staying connected to the, be- to the joy giver. One of the best means for this, it's of course, it's praise, isn't it? And David writes a lot about this in the Psalms. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. David knew the secret to joy, resting in God's presence. Boldly coming before his throne to thank and praise him no matter what was taking place around him or the circumstances he was facing. He was pursued by so many enemies, and even his own son was against him. But David turned to the source of joy, the Lord. Psalm 43, 4-5 says, Then I will go to the altar of God, to my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why are you downcast on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God... For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. So praising God, it brings us into a renewed contact with him, like we've been doing this morning. It leads us right into his presence. And it may sound strange, but like David, when we're in the middle of trials and challenges, simply lifting our voices in praise, it aligns our hearts with the Lord's heart. And that in itself brings out joy in us. So if we're able to worship God for who he is and not just for what he can do for us, and if we can allow his spirit to work in us, well then, naturally, we will know his joy. Because there's always something to be joyful for, isn't there? Even in the midst of difficulties, whatever we're facing, there's always something that we can find to hold on to and to be thankful and joyful for. So if we can find that reason to be thankful, then we can find joy and the reason to be joyful. And the interesting thing about joy is I was thinking about what joy looks like and what it is. It's It's not always loud, is it? It's not always really obvious or excited or noisy or enthusiastic. But of course, it absolutely can be. But joy can also be peaceful. It can be gentle, quiet, and calm. The interesting thing about joy is that it can coexist and go right alongside other emotions. So unlike pleasure or happiness, you don't necessarily feel happy in a difficult time, but you can feel joyful. In darkness and trials, happiness is rarely present. But what a blessing and kindness from God that his joy can be. And personally, I had a 
very real example of this in the weeks just gone by. And there was a very precious and dear lady who volunteered for many, many years with the charity that I work for. And she came to see us recently, a few weeks back in the office. And she'd asked to pop in and see us. And as she was so sociable and bubbly and lovely lady, that wasn't really anything out of the blue. Uh, she just wanted to come by, and as she did from time to time. And so none of us particularly thought anything of it. But as we welcomed her in and we sat down with her, she looked at us and she said that she began receiving medical treatment and she began sharing with us. But she looked at us with this beaming smile and such hope in her eyes and she said, friends, I've just come to let you know that I'm going home. And of course, there was much sadness and sorrow for those that she would be leaving behind, knowing just how much they would miss her. And of course, understandable concern about the pain and that physical battle that her body was about to go through. But just by looking at her face and in her eyes, you could not mistake that underlying peace and joy that she would soon be meeting the Lord. And we had her funeral on Friday, and that was evident. Her love for the Lord and her strength in him and her joy was filled that service. It was all people really spoke about. She was overflowing with his joy. And so seeing dear Stephanie walk this journey in this way, never for one minute ignoring the reality and the pain of this sad, sad situation, but at the same time, allowing joy to sustain her and to carry her through, gosh, that's been such an inspiration for me, such an example, to know God at work and to be able to see him in the most painful and darkest of times. It means to know joy. And like we were saying, not necessarily that bubbly, overflowing, loud joy that laughs out loud, that joy that means that you can't stop from smiling. But it's a peaceful, it's an unwavering joy that comes from knowing a good, good God. A good, good God that is always watching over his children and is always working for their very best. God's word tells us, doesn't it? He is always at work for the good, the good of those who love him. So we can hold on to that, that no matter what is happening, he is always at work for the good of those that love him. And that can bring us such peace and joy. We may not always know happiness, Happiness, depending on what's happening. And we may not always know happiness in our hearts and our emotions. We may not always know pleasure. Our physical bodies might not always be sustained. They, our physical bodies might not always be feeling pleasure. And, but we can always know joy. Now, I am not by any any means or in any way saying that as believers we've got to be always smiling we've got to be always enthusiastic and positive and that if we aren't 
well, then there must be something wrong with our relationship with God, and absolutely not. In life, we know pain. Let's be honest, let's be real. In life, there are challenges, there are difficulties. We do know sorrows, don't we? We do know hardships. That's no surprise there. And Jesus himself said to us, didn't he? He said this would be the case. John 16, 33, he said, in the world you will have tribulation. Jesus himself knew mourning. He knew frustration. He knew anger, sadness. It's important and it's healthy to be real and to acknowledge how we feel. Experiencing these God-given emotions and really normal responses to situations and circumstances. But in the dark and the difficult times, through Jesus and through what he's done for us on the cross, by reconciling us to God, there's always, always hope. And we can always, always know his joy. And even though Jesus said we would have difficulty, he also said, take heart, didn't he? He said, take heart because he's overcome the world. So again, as long as we can be filled with the Spirit, we can be filled with joy. And we can overcome the darkness. And isn't it one of life's little ironies that Trials and difficulties can actually produce joy in us if we let them and if we work at it. We said there's always something to be thankful for in the midst of a trial. And that's one of the things that we can be thankful for, isn't it? That they can actually produce good things in us if we allow it. And the Bible does talk about that in a few places, but the one that's, that came to mind for this was from James 1 two to four, and it says, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So it says to count it all joy. It's not just a, an instruction to, to be joyful or to, to search or to strive for joy. It says, count it all joy when we meet trials of various kinds. But how can trials be a good or a joyful thing? Because we've said, haven't we, let's be real, it's tough and it's hard. But if we look at the passage again in some more detail, what do trials produce? They produce steadfastness. It tests our faith, which ultimately, what does that do? If we allow it, it brings us closer to Jesus. Through trials, we can call out to him. We can cling to him. And he is always there, ready and waiting to hear us, to receive us. The trials bring us closer to him. So although, yes, absolutely, they are painful, they are uncomfortable, 
like training for a marathon. It's painful, it's tough, but there's a good, good reward at the end. So anything that ultimately brings us closer to God, well, surely it must be a good thing. Difficulties and trials, well, they can produce results in us. They can shape us. They can improve our, relation, our character in such a way that only comes through troubles. We can be refined and molded in such a way that when things are going well, when we're at peace, when things are calm, that wouldn't necessarily happen. It's the trials and the troubles that actually can bring us through that. They can shape us, our character, in such a way that when things are going well, it, it doesn't happen that way. We can be joyful and thankful because we know all of the good things that that trial is doing in our lives, all of the good fruit that it's producing in us. Those trials and those challenges, if we allow them, they're actually shaping and molding us to be even more like Christ. And that is surely, it's a joyful thing. So let me give you a bit of a personal example of this, and I'm going to keep it light on purpose, but the result's still the same. So when I'm concentrating, and when I'm really focused in something, especially when I'm at work, and if my colleagues were listening, they'd probably be laughing and sat there smiling and nodding, I have to admit I am terrible at being interrupted. And the Lord has really been challenging me on this, so you can probably guess what's been happening, can't you? So right when I'm in the middle of a key and complicated email, or exactly when I'm in the throes of a really long, tricky calculation, somebody will pop into my office just at that moment when the kettle's boiling, so while it's boiling, they're going to come and have a chat with me. Or somebody will come on in and ask me a question, or the phone will ring. But it's frustrating for me, and it's uncomfortable, and it's difficult, but actually I can have joy in that God's bringing that flaw up and out in me and that trial because I know that he's helping me to be different things through that. I can learn to be more loving, more considerate, more aware of others, less focused on myself. So although it's a challenge, and there is joy in that because I can say thank you, Lord, that you are using that to shape me, to mold me. So now we've looked at joy is and where it comes from. Let's finish by talking about how can we hold on to it. We've talked about what it is, that it comes from the Lord's the Spirit. We've talked about the difference of it being between difference between pleasure and happiness. But once we've found it, once we've got that joy, how do we hold on to it, especially in the midst of challenges and trials? Well, it's really interesting to note, isn't it, that in the Galatians passage that we read earlier about the fruits of the Spirit, there's a difference between living by the Spirit and walking by the Spirit. It says this, doesn't it? Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I personally, I far too easily forget that the spirit of the living God is dwelling in me 
And way too often I catch myself doing things my own way. And what does that do? Well, that stops the Holy Spirit. It stops him working through me. Why? Well, because of my own desires, because of my own decisions and trying to go at it my own way. So what happens? Well, the fruit of the Spirit, it can't grow. They're not evident in my life. And instead of nurturing and nourishing it, by not walking out in that spirit that lives in me, I'm actually quashing it. I'm stifling him. So walking in the spirit, it's to be in harmony with the Lord. It's been harmony with the spirit. It's not stifling him. It's not quashing him with our own choices or our own behavior. And those verses before the description of the fruit of the Spirit, they give us a whole list of things, don't they, that are not from God, but they're from what we talk about being the flesh, don't we, the sinful nature. And all of those things that are listed there before the good fruits, of the, of the godly fruits that can be in us, they hinder us, don't they? They hinder us, they hinder that flow of the Spirit. And then if it's hindering the flow of the Spirit, well, that's going to stop us from knowing joy. So anything that's stifling the Lord, that's stifling his spirit, will stop us from knowing true joy. So just a few things from that list. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. So that example about, I gave about interruptions, well, there's strife in there, isn't there? There's doing things my own way. There might be a little bit of frustrations, just another kind of anger, isn't there? There might be a bit of anger. And that, what would, could that do in the office? Well, that might create division. That might create dissensions. So all of those things that are, that are listed there, they will stifle the spirit and they will stifle joy. So if we allow them to, any of all of those things can dampen our joy. Being envious of others and not acknowledging what we have ourselves, that is a huge block to joy. Because as we said, joy is closely, really closely linked to praise and thanksgiving, isn't it? We find it when we praise God, when we're in his presence, as we said. People don't get jealous over what they already have, do they? And we all have absolutely everything that we need in Christ. So by actively thanking him for what we do have and for how he's working, we can know joy. Another thing that can draw us away from joy and closer to negativity is complaining and grumbling. And there's a reason that Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without grumbling or disputing. Do everything without grumbling or disputing. In fact, there are probably several reasons why it says that, but one reason is that actually grumbling, it won't make the problem will go away it will actually magnify it. It's something that we 
might believe, might know that by grumbling, by venting, by letting it out, it will make it go away, it will help. But actually, I don't know about you, but I find the more I grumble, the more I find myself doing it. It's a bit of a slippery slope. And as someone who processes things by sharing and talking it through, I like to get my thoughts out of my head to help me figure it out. I find this quite hard, actually, because sometimes things are unfair, aren't they? Sometimes things, they're not right. So how can we talk about it and share and process without complaining? Well, actually, I'm beginning to see that it's all about the heart. It comes down to what's in our heart. What's behind what I'm saying? Do I genuinely want advice from a trusted individual so that I can move forward? Or do I just want to feel better by hearing just how right I am to be annoyed? Which will only magnify my frustration. We've all been there, haven't we, when someone says, oh gosh, yeah, that's not... It doesn't actually relieve your anger or your frustration. It just magnifies it. And if I'm in pain or angry and I'm looking for release or am I looking for healing or actually am I speaking out of unforgiveness? So processing, it's not wrong, is it? Processing is not wrong, it's good. And asking for help and advice, that is wise, that's sensible. And being real about our emotions, well, that in itself isn't wrong. But it's important to be sure that it's with the aim of helping us move forward and with the aim of restoring our joy. So finding fault, not showing grace, dissatisfaction, envy, pride. They're all things, and they're the, the root of complaining, aren't they? That's often many of the reasons why we do grumble, why we do complain. But what does it do? It leads us away from joy, and it leads us into negativity, into sadness, all things that are not from God. It quashes the spirit. And as a church family, it is right and it is good for us to be encouraging one another into joy, helping each other stay rooted in Jesus, to stay filled with his spirit, to help each other identify when perhaps we are allowing our joy to be stifled, and when we are filled with the joy, encouraging other, each other on in that. We can support each other with this. And since I've been here at NLCC, I can say I think we're doing it pretty well. Praise God. And I think it looks like sharing each other's burdens and pains, but through that, directing us to see God's work in them, keeping each other focused on him. So encouraging ourselves and encouraging others into joy, I think it's about being a blessing wherever he's placed us. Being a blessing in our places of work, 
in our families, in our friendships, and avoiding those things that we read about in Galatians, avoiding fractions, avoiding anger, disagreements, gossiping, complaining. Just a few of the things that stop the free flow of the Spirit and therefore the free flow of joy. If we want to be a blessing to those around us, we need to be. Be that kind of friend that we would want to have. Be the kind of employee that we'd like working for us. Be the kind of stranger who stops to lend us a hand when it's needed. Paul was someone who knew how to hold on to joy, wasn't he? He was someone that knew how to remain content. He was in jail. He had disagreements with other believers that would have saddened him. He had so many things that he had to face and to walk through. But he managed to hold on to joy. We hear about him singing in prison and praising and just he was so joyful. So let's finish by reading what he explains as the secret to joy and contentment in Philippians 4, 10 to 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger and abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So isn't that just such a precious example that we can take and apply to our own lives that whether he had little or whether he had plenty in abundance, whether he was supported or whether he was alone, whether he was enjoying freedom and living out the calling of sharing that he had to share God's word or whether he was trapped in prison. What did he do? Well, Paul held fast to Jesus, didn't he? And the hope that he had found in him. And because of that, he was able to rejoice greatly. It says, doesn't it? I rejoiced in the Lord greatly. So he rejoiced greatly at all times, whatever the circumstance. And I want to be really honest and real this morning and acknowledge that, of course, it is hard to find joy when we're facing trials and difficulties, isn't it? It's hard to let the spirit flow if we're hurting and if we're in pain. And it can be hard to know joy 
when we see a lot of heaviness around us. So I'd like to invite the worship group back up. I think it's important today that we can take that opportunity to ask the Lord to reveal anything that might be holding us back from experiencing his joy. We've touched on a few this morning, but let's allow the Spirit to reveal in us anything that might actually be holding back from experiencing the fullness. His word said, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. So together, church family, let's lay those things before him and release anything that's hindering joy flowing through us. But also, perhaps at the moment, you're in a really good season. You're feeling blessed, and perhaps you're experiencing some precious, happy circumstances. But you want to know a deeper joy and hold on to that joy that you're experiencing. And that's great and good and right too. So let's pray about that as well, that we would allow the Lord to help us keep that joy. And let's ask him to grow and increase that fruit. So if anybody would like to to receive prayer, uh, please, you're welcome to come up. We'll pray for you here at the front or pray with those around you. So if anything's touched your heart, let's just allow the Spirit to minister to us so that we might know the fullness of joy. So Lord, we so thank you for the gift of your Spirit that lives in us as those that know you. It's so precious, such a joy and a precious gift from you. So we ask, Lord, that you would help us to lay down those things that are not of you that might be hindering us from knowing the fullness of joy. Lord, we want to walk, not just live and have the Spirit in us, but walk in it every day. So would you take us today individually and as a church family into a deeper level of your unwavering joy? We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.